you're very welcome to today's Triumph Church podcast. We pray that you enjoy the message. We're going to start this morning in in Luke chapter 11. In verse 9, we're going to read through uh, 13. Luke 11, chapter 9, or Luke chapter 11, verse 9. And it says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. In verse 11, it says, You fathers... If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, next to salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's probably the, the best thing that the, the Father could give us. We can probably think of a whole bunch of different things that we'd like to receive that we think would be a blessing to us. But next to our salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit is the best possible gift that you can receive. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be showing more and more why that is the case. So we're going to continue this morning on the series. We've been talking the last several weeks uh, on the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been enjoying that? It's been good? I've been trying to stay within my notes, but it's been really difficult, actually, to to do that. And I should have been prepared for that, knowing that when you teach on the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will always lead you and guide you and direct you into all truth. And when you're ministering on the Holy Spirit, a lot of times he'll just... He'll just lead you exactly. It's almost like a demonstration. He'll lead you, you know, how it is we're supposed to be. You know, we, we always have our plan. I, I have, you know, 12 pages of notes here. Don't worry. It's all double-spaced, you know. It's <laughs> I, have, I have come prepared for a message. I have for the last, last three weeks. But, but half of that, I've just been pulled like the Holy Spirit's been having me go a little different direction than I thought I would go. And that's okay, Right? The ministry that the Holy Spirit leads you to is always the best and the highest ministry, isn't it? We want to go the direction that the Holy Spirit leads us. We want to receive where it is that, that God is leading us to, right? That's always the best place for us to be. So, But we're going to continue in the series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And this, this morning specifically, I kind of want to talk about who is the Holy Spirit. Might be the Holy Spirit, you better answer when people think of the Holy Spirit, they might think of him as some impersonal, mystical entity, much like the force in Star Wars. How many of you are familiar with the film Star Wars? Yeah, you have the, have the force where the Jedis are able to do amazing things. You know, they're, they're led and guided by the, by the force and whatever. So sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit in some kind of mystical, mystical sense uh, like that. But the Holy Spirit is a lot different. Uh, than that. Some people think of the Holy Spirit as an it, but the Holy Spirit's not an it. We understand from Scripture that he's much more than just a mystical force. 
He doesn't just do the, the bidding of God, and he's not an it. He's actually the third person of the Godhead. And he quite literally is God, along with God the Father and God the Son, right? You understand, I understand why so many people may have a confusion about the Holy Spirit, because honestly and surprisingly, there really isn't a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit in the church. And there should be. There's a lot of teaching about God. There's a lot of teaching about the Son, Jesus, right? Well, there really should be just as much teaching in part on the Holy Spirit as well. He's the third person of the Godhead. We all, we're all familiar with the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, it's important for us to understand each of those and what each of those do in our lives, right? Jesus stressed the importance of us having the Holy Spirit. He called him the helper, didn't he? In our lives, in Acts chapter 14, encourage you to read that. In Acts chapter 16, read that as well. And in Acts chapter 1, in John, in John chapter 16, in verse 7, Jesus said this. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That probably kind of scared the disciples a little bit. They probably didn't even understand really what that meant. Imagine Jesus saying, listen, lads, it's to your advantage that I go away. Like, how can that even be possible for, for three and a half years? Like, they've been around each other, you know, near 24 hours a day, seven days, days a week, right? Like, he was, Jesus was an important part of the disciples' lives. And now he's saying, I'm going away. But it's to your advantage that I go away. And they're probably just scratching their heads. Well, how can that possibly, how can it be to my advantage if you go away? But it was important that they had an understanding of who the Holy Spirit was and what the Holy Spirit was going to do for them in their lives. If we don't have that understanding, then we're going to be just as confused as to why do I need the Holy Spirit. I just want Jesus in my life, right? I just want more of Jesus in my life. But Jesus ascended to heaven, didn't he? He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I ascend to heaven. Because if I do that, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, right? Well, he's not sending some, something that's less, right? Like, you don't, like when, we, when we think of Jesus, we think of, you know, like the ultimate in our life. And then we think of the Holy Spirit, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like God the Father, God the Son, and, you know, and then you have God the Holy Spirit, you know. It's even there. You have God the Father, you have God the, the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Son and just as much God as God the Father, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at a scripture uh, later here that says these three are one. All are important in our lives. We need each of those in our lives. So Jesus is saying that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, how many of you need help in your life? Let me raise up two hands. I need a lot of help in my life, right? 
Without God in my life, I'm a mess. Without following the Lord in his plans, leads me, guides me, and directs me into all truth. Without following him, where am I going to go? I don't know. Half the time, you just feel like you're walking in circles, right? You can always trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you and direct you into all truth, the best, the perfect plan, the perfect will of God in your life, right? He's the helper. Jesus said he's the helper. He's, he was sent to help us. So nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So what the Holy Spirit does in your life is so important. The, emphasize, the Lord emphasized this time and time again. But I hope this series isn't just going to be on what the Holy Spirit does for you. That's important. It's just like, you know, talking about salvation. It's not just while salvation is important, while we talk about Jesus. Like, we don't want to talk about Jesus, just what he does for us. If I came up to you and I liked you, if I was friends with you just because of what you do for me, like, that's not going to make anyone feel good, is it? Right? I love you, Aiden, because of what you do for me. That's not going to make him feel good, right? He's like, well, Dad, I'm your son. You should just love me because I'm your son, right? You, not because of what you do for me. Well, God doesn't want that either. So I, I don't want this to be focused on just what the Holy Spirit does for us, but I want us to focus on getting to know the Holy Spirit, like who he is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, who is he? We should find out who he is. You know, if my wife and I, on our first date, I didn't ask her some questions to try to get to know her, we might not have had the second date, would we have? We almost didn't. Man, I was so awkward. I'm not going to get into that, but... <laughs> hey. Anyone else been in those shoes? Don't raise your hand. But it's important for us, and I hope this series is going to be us getting to know the Holy Spirit and us seeking after the Holy Spirit, pursuing him, you know, like with my wife, too. She, she wanted me to pursue her, didn't she? You know, if I was just all hands off, like, well, that's not how you woo a woman, is it? You know, like, you want to be pursued, don't you? Like, I wanted her to pursue me. If she's not, then I'm like, eh, maybe she's just not interested at all, you know? So then I back off. Okay, maybe I thought something was there that really, really wasn't. You want to be pursued, don't you? Well, the Holy Spirit, God wants to be pursued too. But we're only going to pursue him if we know who he is. So we're going to talk about that over these coming weeks here more and more, and we're going to find out who he is. So that's what my hope is in this, that you're, that you're not just going to be interested in what the Holy Spirit does for you, but you're going to be interested in getting to know the Holy Spirit and pursuing the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12 in verse, th in verse 30. He said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Loving God with all your heart is loving him 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, isn't it? So last week, I only got to the second page of my, my notes, and I'm going to try to reconnect uh, to that because there's some things that I really wanted to get into. I've actually been trying for a couple weeks now, but I really feel like today is the day that we're actually going to go the direction uh, that I was hoping to go, and we're going to hook back up in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verse 17 in the Passion Translation. It says, Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Scripture tells us this very clearly throughout. So if we make Jesus our Lord, then it also follows that we're making God our Lord, and God the Holy Spirit likewise, the Lord of our lives as well. Am I right? Giving God lordship over our lives is a decision that we make by choosing. We choose to do that. We purpose to, to yield our lives to him. It's his way over our way, our way, right? We purpose to submit our lives to his authority and to his word. So when 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that wherever the Holy Spirit is Lord, that there is freedom, there's freedom because we're choosing to yield to him, aren't we? We do this because we have yielded our lives to Jesus. And this is honoring to him because he's the one that sent the Holy Spirit, right? So if we're rejecting the Holy Spirit, if we're not yielding our lives to him, then we're keeping a part away from Jesus too, aren't we? Because he's the one that said it's to our advantage that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. Like, I don't think it was ever his intention that the Holy Spirit would not be part of our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're obeying his commandments, if you're yielding your life to him, then you're yielding yourself entirety to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Am I right in that? We understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's moved just as God the Father is and God the Son is by the attitudes of our heart. He's moved by our faith. He's moved by our reverence. He's moved by our honoring Him. Where he doesn't find these, especially in the hearts of his followers and in the church, he's grieved. Who of us wants to do that? I don't think anyone here would raise their hands with that. Let's look really quick at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. It's a short scripture. It says, do not quench the spirit. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Do not quench the spirit. Where the Holy Spirit isn't made Lord, where he isn't allowed, or where he's been suppressed, whether that's in churches or whether that's with individuals quenching the Holy Spirit, they're resisting who Jesus has sent. Think about that for a moment. What does quench mean in the Amplified Classic Version? In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench 
suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. I like what it says in the International Children's Bible. It's not usually one that I would use. But it just says things so clearly and so plainly. It just says, do not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have this idea in the sovereignty of God that he can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, whenever he wants to, right? But where he's not wanted, where he's not honored, or where he is suppressed or, or pushed out, he's quenched. He's grieved. How many times have we seen in Scripture where God's anointing or his presence was removed because of sin or hardened hearts towards him? Like you can see that all throughout Scripture, can't we? Right? It's possible that because of our attitudes, because of our disrespect to the Holy Spirit, intentional or not, that he isn't given room in our lives or in our churches. Many churches have become too scheduled and too rigid. We're too stuck to a, to a run sheet. We're stu- too stuck and tied to religious traditions or ideas. We're too stuck to how we want things to go, how we planned it out, how we desire things to go, how, for things to happen. That doesn't mean that we can't course correct those things. All of us have our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own directions that we want to go. But when we seek God, when we seek after him and ask him, Lord, I think I would like to do this, but do you want me to do that? I desire this, Lord, but is that a good desire for me to have? Like going to the Lord and just setting everything down at the foot of the cross, at the the foot of the throne, and just giving it all to the Lord. Sometimes you just need to lay everything down and then see what it is that the Lord would have you pick back up. Pastor Amy and I did that. During COVID, when everything was, was locked down, we were starting a church before COVID. Just in the very beginning stages of that, we had two interest meetings, and then everything shut down, and we just had to just pretty much lay everything down. We thought it was going to be two weeks to flatten the curve, right? Those two weeks turned into a really long time frame, didn't it? But at one point during that, we're like, Lord, is this what we're supposed to do? Like, do you want us to, like, plant this church or, or not? Like, everything just, I don't know, like, how many of you felt that way? Like, your whole life was just upended, and you're like, what in the world is going on? Like, this is the most weird scenario I've ever been in in my entire life. And so, Pastor and Amy, like, we just spent some time fasting and praying, and we just laid everything down. Like, literally everything. Like, we even asked the Lord, like, do you want us to move back to America? Like, what do you want us to do? Like, what is it that we should do? And we really felt like the Lord was saying, no, you're on the right path. You're doing what I want you to do. 
I want you to launch this church. And so we picked those, some of those things back up. There's other things we just laid down and laid aside. And I'm so happy that we did. Amen? Are you? Hopefully. <laughs> if not, well, I'm sorry. If we recognize that there's some areas in our lives, maybe some roadblocks that, that we've put up there that's inhibiting God from moving in our lives, then we need to look at removing those things, right? Maybe it's a direction that we're heading that's not right. Because we're doing that, we're, we're not following God's direction in our lives. Maybe it's something else in your life. You just need to, to lay it down at the foot of the cross. Just lay everything down. Like, it's good to do that regularly anyways, right? If we're making Jesus the Lord of our lives, like we looked at the scripture last week where Jesus said, you know, if you want to follow me, you need to give up your own way, right? You need to give up your own way. That means you're, you're taking up his way. So it should be something regularly where we just consecrate ourselves to the Lord and just lay everything down at the foot of the cross anyways, Right? So we can make these, these course corrections in our lives if, if we want to see God move in our lives and if we want to see God move in this church. And we need to be willing to lay everything down and take up only what he wants us to. I'm willing to do that. I hope you are too. Let me give you a few simple things that you can do to help remove any roadblocks that may be in your life. The most important of anything is spending time with God. That's hard to do sometimes. Sometimes time just seems to, to get away. Everything else in this world demands of our time, right? And sometimes it's hard to be protective of that, but we need to be. We need to be protective of our time with the Lord. There's nothing more important in your life than your time with the Lord. My relationship with my wife is not more important than my time with the Lord. My relationship with my kids is not more important than my time with the Lord. Why is that? You think that may be opposite of what it should be, but if I'm right with the Lord, if I'm following after Him, if I'm seeking first right? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto me. If God's my first priority in my life, then he's going to help me be a good husband. If God's the priority in my life, he's going to help me be a good father. If God's the priority in my life, he's going to help me be a good pastor. He's going to help me be a good friend to you, right? But God has to be that priority. He has to be number one. The Bible says that God is a jealous God, not jealous in a bad way. He just wants your heart. He wants all of you. If my wife doesn't have all of my heart, if I'm keeping things back from her, keeping me back from her, she's not going to be satisfied with that, is she? She wants all of my heart. She wants all of me. Every part of it. It's the same way with God. He wants all of me. He's a jealous God. Every part of me, he wants. 
So the most important thing is spending time with God. There's some ways that we do that. One is reading his word. Reading his word is important. We have up here, we, we live by the word. That's an important like pillar of our church is we live by the word. That's what we're founded on, on God's word. Another thing that is important in spending time with God is spending time talking to him in prayer. Did you know that you can just talk to God? You know, in religious circles, we're, we're, we're shown in, you know, well, you need to say and recite these prayers to God in order to get his attention. Well, you're his child. How many of you know God is not religious? Mankind have set up religions in their effort to reach God. But God's not interested in religion. God's not in religion. What he wants is relationship, right? And when you're in a relationship, you're not just going to look at a paper and recite some lines. Like, my wife, again, is not going to be happy if I'm just... I love you, Amy. You're the joy of my life. She's not going to be happy with that, is is she? She's going to want me to talk to her from my heart. Well, that's what God desires from you as well. He wants you to talk to him from your heart. Maybe sometimes it's, it's you talking about some of the frustrations that you have that you're dealing with. Like that's part of a relationship, isn't it? Like that's okay, But it's important that we talk to him. And then also we yield ourselves to his instruction. You know, if we're we're talking with God, there's going to be times that he's going to talk to us too, isn't it? An important part of the relationship sometimes isn't just us talking the whole time. You ever been around a person where you can't even get a word in edgewise? And then you're just like, okay. I'm just going to let them talk. All right. Hour number two. Okay. Right? Like God wants to hear us talk. Don't get me wrong about that. But it's also important for us to listen. Right? If you're doing all the talking, then how are you going to be led and guided into all truth? God wants to talk to you. Another thing is faithfully attending your church. Like, it's important for us to attend church. Like, when I'm, when I'm teaching on a series like this on, on the Holy Spirit, you know, a lot of times I, I do things, like, I like to do things in a series because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? But it's so hard to, to really teach on a topic, just a one-off. Like, how do, you, how do you teach on the Holy Spirit? You just do a one-and-done, and then you move on to something else. Like, that's hard, Right? It, it, takes, it takes time. Like this is, a, this is a, a pretty thick book, pretty complicated enough. Like it, it takes some time to teach on a topic. You know, it's not like I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit this year and never teach on the Holy Spirit again in the church. You know, it's probably something that we need to teach on regularly, like every year. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like, if I preach the same, you know, I, I had an instructor in school, you know, and he was teaching on, on faith, the subject of faith. And for the first two weeks, it was virtually like the same, like the same teaching, the same message every day, Monday, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the same thing. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what's he doing? Like, after the third day, like, I stopped taking notes. Like, I didn't get it. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like, is the guy all right? You know, come back the next week on Monday. It's the same thing. What in the world? I didn't pay all this money to go to ministry school just to hear, like, one message. Like, is this all this guy has? <laughs> right? But faith comes by hearing and hearing. Like, he was making a point so for two weeks. Like, he's teaching the same message because sometimes, like, you can hear something, but you're not really hearing it, are we? Sometimes it takes time for it to sink in. If you're like me, I'll use me as an example instead of you. If you're like me, you're kind of thick in the head, you know? Like, I have to ask my wife all the time, you know, what do you want me to get from the store? Let me just text you what I need. <laughs> Thank you. That makes it so much easier, <laughs> right? But it's important for us. Like, so, so in church, we're going to hear things that may sound similar-ish, but sometimes we need it to, you know, first, like, get our attention, but then it needs to, you know, it goes into here, into our mind, and we think about it, and we start reasoning it, which is okay, but that's not what's going to give you faith. What's going to give you faith is when it drops from here and you stop trying to understand it and you move to faith. And it drops down to your heart. Because when you grasp it in your heart, the devil can't steal it from you. He can steal it from you up here. How many of you have woken up in the middle of the night and you're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, right? The devil wants to get you constantly thinking. That's what he did to Adam and Eve when they became deceived. Did the Lord really say, well, if it's not down here, if it's up here, then he can talk you out of it. He can make it sound really good. He's the deceiver, right? But when it drops down to here, and that's the thing about the Holy Spirit and one reason why he's so important in, in our lives because he will always direct us back to the word of God. When the devil came to Jesus and was trying to deceive him in the wilderness, what did Jesus always point him back to? The word, right? So if the devil's trying to de deceive us, what should we likewise do? Point him back to the word. Well, this is what God's word says. I don't care about your word. What you think I should do, I'm founded on this, right? We live by the word. Then what's another important thing? It's the second thing there. We're led by the spirit. He will always lead us according to the word. He will always lead us, guide us, and direct us into all truth. A Sunday coming soon, we're going to talk about, specifically about being led by the Holy Spirit because it's an important thing that we need to know. In Matthew chapter 24, when the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what are going to be, what's going to happen before you come? What's going to be the, the sign of the times? The, you know, at the end of everything, what's going to happen, Lord? And the very first thing he said to them is, do not allow yourself to be deceived. Well, how are you going to be that person that is not going to be deceived? It's these two things right here. 
You're going to live by the word. This is your foundation. Everything comes back to this. You filter everything through this. You're listening to the news on RTE. You filter it through this. You have a conversation with a coworker. You filter it through this. You're watching a film. You filter it through this. Because everything in this world is, desi- is designed to deceive you. Everything. This world system is designed to deceive you, to lead you away from Christ, to lead you away from God. But if you're founded on this, and you know the voice of God, you know the voice of the Holy Spirit, the devil is not going to be able to lead you astray. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. When we know his voice, we can easily discern that. If Amy phoned me right now and I picked up my phone and she said, hello, I would know at hello who that was. Because I know her voice, right? We've been married a long time, several decades. I've had a lot of conversations with her. Some some of those late at night and I just want to go to sleep, right? I know her voice. We can have that same kind of knowing with God. When we're led by the word, we live by the word, and we're, and we're led by the spirit, we know his voice. We know when it is God telling us to do something. You know, sometimes there's a lot of noise out here going on, and we just have to quiet that in order to hear sometimes what's going on in here. During those seasons, that's a lot of times when we just take some time to fast and pray. Did you know fasting doesn't change God at all? Fasting isn't something that we do to change God's mind. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, isn't he? he he's, he's bound himself to this word. He's only going to operate within this, right? You're not going to change God's mind. What fasting does is quiet us. It changes us. So there's times and seasons in our lives where we need to fast and pray so that we can get that direction from the Lord because everything else out here is so loud. You know, like we got a, we got a new puppy a handful of months ago, a golden doodle. You ever seen one of those things? Super cute. He's got a lot of energy, though. But when you have a golden doodle, then you also have a cat and you have a six-year-old, that's a combination for a lot of noise, right? Aiden's saying something to me the other day. You know, I'm at the, the dining room table, and he's just in the kitchen, you know, like, I don't know, 15, 20 feet from me, and he's saying something. I can't even hear him. I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't hear you. Because the dog, the six-year-old, messing with the cat and the dog, and it was just a crazy thing. But sometimes there's just a lot of noise out there, and we need just to take some time to quiet things down so that we can hear from the Lord. Amen? So these are some things that, that we can do for ourselves to help remove those roadblocks in our lives that may hinder the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. When it comes to to Triumph Church, there's some things that you can do and I would ask for you to do. You know, one of the, you know, really I guess the main thing with that would be prayer. Pray for our worship team. 
Pray for those who are our ushers and, and greeters. Pray for our, our, our children's team that are ministering to your children. You know, we want them to be ministered to. We don't want them to be minded. We want them at a young age to have this in their lives as well, where they're being founded on God's word. They're learning God's voice. They're learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what's happening over there. It's not just Bible-minding going on. The children are actually being ministered to. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But pray for our worship team. Pray for our children's team, our greeters and ushers. But pray for one another as well. Look to the person on your left. If there's someone on your left. And then look at to the person on your right. Like, pray for one another. Like, see those faces during the week before you and pray for them. Like, they need you. You know, there was a time in my life where I was, I was working so many hours, like 65, 80 hours a week. I could hardly even see straight. There was one time I was so absolutely exhausted. You know, the light had turned green, and I had pulled out, but it wasn't my green light. <laughs> Got honked at. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm like, it's dangerous for me to even, even drive. You know, and during that time, you know, I, I really felt like I needed to be praying. You know, we were, we were praying about moving uh, back to Ireland. We had lived in Ireland from 2000 to 2003. We're helping with my wife's parents' church over in Limerick. Then we moved back for 10 years and then moved back uh, to Ireland in 2013. But during that season, we were back in the United States. You know, like, Ireland never left my heart. Like, I wanted to move back to Ireland. Why am I, why am I in the United States, Lord? You know, well, there's things that I needed to, to get uh, there in order to be effective here. I learned that eventually. This took 10 years. But there was a season where I was just working so much, and I really felt like I needed to pray. I wanted to pray for the coming season that we were entering into, but I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I, there's hardly even time to eat or sleep. Hardly time to say hello to my wife or hold my children before bed. And I was starting to like condemn myself, feel like I'm not doing what I need to do. And out of the blue, a friend phoned me that I hadn't spoke to in a number of years. He's actually the, the best man in, in my wedding. But we hadn't, he moved to another state and you know, th life happened and we just hadn't spoken in a number of years. But he phones me up out of the blue and just says, hey, Brad, I just want you to know the Lord's, the Lord's just had you on my heart recently, and I've been praying for you. I'm like, man, that's so awesome. Do you know God will put it on other people's hearts to pray for you? There's times and seasons in your life where, man, you need it, right? I needed it. And I'm like, thank you so much for for praying for me. And I told him the situation. He's like, listen, Brad, the Lord knows the times and seasons that you're at in your life. And when there's times and seasons where you're so incredibly busy and don't have time to do what you're wanting to do, what you're desiring to do, he has other people in the body of Christ who are praying for you, praying those things out for you. And it's like the light went on, ding, following the Holy Spirit. So here's my friend, 
over on the other side of the country, the Holy Spirit puts it on his heart to pray for me during a season where I needed it. The Lord does that for you too. Sometimes we think of ourselves as so insignificant. Like, what good am I? What use am I? The Lord loves you. He loves you so much that he has people praying for you right now. People that you may not even be aware of. You know, my mom was a, a, someone who the Lord used a lot in prayer. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and she's out in the sitting room on the sofa praying. It's like 3 in the morning. What, what are you doing, Mom? Praying. Lord woke me up. And he put on my heart to pray for some different people. Sometimes it was people she didn't even know. Sometimes the Lord would just give her a face and she'd just be praying for people she never saw before. Sometimes she knew that those people were in other countries. How cool is that? So when Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away, it's to all of our advantage, isn't it? Because Jesus was right there with the 12 disciples. He wasn't omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere all at once. He, would, he purposely confined himself to a human body to do what he needed to do for our salvation and die upon the cross, right? He did his part, but he said, I must depart so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. It's to your advantage that I do that. Because each one of us here can operate by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere all at once and leading all of us, millions and millions and millions of people, all at the exact same time in completely different directions. Like, how cool is that? That's to our advantage, isn't it? Are you guys okay? Am I doing all right? I'm going to skip forward a a bit here. Let's turn to uh, John chapter 14 and verse 16. I want to dig a little bit further to find out this morning who is the Holy Spirit. I don't even think I'm going to be able to get to all of it, but that's all right. We have next week, don't we? John chapter 14 and 16 and 17, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So here Jesus says about the Holy Spirit that he dwells with you. The Holy Spirit has been with us since the very beginning. Turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Everyone knows this. You can probably quote it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God there is the Hebrew word Elohim. It means supreme God. But the cool thing about that is Elohim is a plural noun. It's not singular. It's a plural noun. And we know, of course, that from the Bible that God is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when it's saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, this is talking about the Trinity. It's the Trinity, each one doing their part in the creation of this world that houses all of us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They each had a part to play in that. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And it says what? 
that these three are one. You know, the concept of the Trinity is kind of a hard one for us to wrap our heads around. It's, it's a difficult thing for us to kind of grasp. How can you have three people, like you have David, Daniel, and myself, right? Three individuals, but are we one? They're one, one flesh, right? I'm not part of that one. I'm not allowed. But we're individuals. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around that because you have three people, but we're not one. We're three different people, but the, but the Bible says you have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit, but these three are one. And it's important for us to grasp that and understand that. Otherwise, we put great significance on one member of the Godhead and put lesser significance on the other part of the Godhead. These three are one. They're equal. They're not at different levels of importance. They're all important. Jesus said it is to your advantage that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit has great importance in our life. In John chapter 14 and verse 16 again, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That helper, of course, is the Holy Spirit. We need him in our lives to be our help. We need that help. It is so difficult, and it's getting increasingly more difficult in this world to be a Christian and live your life righteously, to live your life holy as God wants us to, as God directs us to. That's a difficult thing to do in this world, isn't it? We've all been teenagers before. There's great pressure against teenagers to do everything contrary to this word, right? They need the Holy Spirit. I got one amen. So in John 14... 16, we're going to add in 17 as well. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. Everyone say with. And he will be in you. Everyone say in. So Jesus says that the Holy Spirit dwells with you. That's current. He was telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit is dwelling with you. We saw in Genesis 1-1 that the Holy Spirit was with. He's always been in this world. He's always been with us. But Jesus is making a distinction here. He's saying the Holy Spirit has been with you. But something different has happened. Something new is going to happen where now he's going to be in you. Amen? So Jesus says the Holy Spirit dwells with you. That's current. With you just means near. Then Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's future tense. He's telling them something that's going to be happening. At that time of Jesus' teaching, the Holy Spirit was still with but Jesus is making a point that soon Jesus is going to be in. There's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit because really in, when we read the scripture, we're reading a, a translation of that, right? So you have, you have Bible scholars who have taken the, the Greek and the Hebrew and tried to translate that the best to their ability, and they've done a fantastic job, haven't they? To translate that Greek and Hebrew into English, 
Well, a lot of times it's difficult to try to translate. Like in English, I love ice cream, right? Does anyone else love ice cream? It's great. I also love my wife. But do I love my wife as much or the same way that I love ice cream? No. So the Bible in, in, in the Greek and Hebrew, like the word love, like there's different kinds of love. There's, there's love uh, that's like unconditional, that's the God kind of love, agape. There's other kinds of love that it's love towards a friend or it's like love towards your wife. There's different kinds of love, but trying to translate that into English is just love. I love ice cream. I love my wife, right? They're, they're different things, though, so sometimes... We lose some things in translation that the, the, the meaning and the intent in the original language says one thing, but sometimes in the English, it's just a, it's just a little, little lacking, right? But Jesus is making a point here to distinguish that so it's very clear that there's a difference between with and then in. Are you seeing that? So the Holy Spirit with is... You know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit's job of with is to draw people to the Lord. How many of you, before you made your life, you know, made a decision to serve the Lord, you felt drawn to God? Just something. You were drawn. One day you woke up and said, I want to go to church. Well, that's not normal, is it? Or there's someone that you know who maybe knows the Lord and you're just wanting to ask them questions. You're curious, right? The Lord's drawing that person. They're drawing you to him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also with convicts people of sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit with. Then you have the Holy Spirit in. That's us being baptized into the body of Christ. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Our old spirit is taken away, that sinful spirit, and God puts in us a new spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We become born again. That's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3. And then there's the third part of our relationship with the Holy Spirit that was promised by the Father in the book of Joel. And it's what Jesus talked about at the end of Luke and again at the beginning of Acts and it's what Peter declared on the day of Pentecost. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon us. So you have the Holy Spirit with, you have the Holy Spirit in, and then you have the Holy Spirit upon. Those are three different things. Are you seeing that? And this is teaching from Jesus. It's in the Bible. How many of you have ever heard that before? That you have with the Holy Spirit with you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and then you have the Holy Spirit upon you. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because the Holy Spirit's no longer going to be just with you, but you have this experience where you give your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's becoming born again. But then Jesus, at the end of Acts, or at the end of Luke, in the first chapter of Acts, is saying the Holy Spirit, turn to Acts chapter 1 real quick. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, you shall receive power and the Holy Spirit has what? 
come upon you. So he's talking to the Holy Spirits in, in, or the disciples in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. He's saying, in, the Holy Spirit has been with you. The Holy Spirit's going to be in you. But now he's saying, don't go anywhere, lads. Stay in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit and he will come upon you. Well, what? What is that for? The interesting thing here, and what I like about this, let me move David's guitar carefully in his violin. Oh, no. Oh, I'm in such trouble. We love the world, right? We love the world. So these are the three pillars of our church, things that are very important to us. We live by the word, we're led by the spirit, and we love the world. Well, what is that we love the world? Well, it's linked here to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. That's what that is, that we'll be witnesses of Christ wherever it is that we are. It may be... You know, here it says Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the world. That could just be here in Clain, in Nace, right? Could be County Kildare. Could be Ireland, right? It could be Europe. It could be over in Thailand. It could be anywhere. But he says the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you will be witnesses of me. Isn't that cool? That's what that upon is for. So you have the with drawing us to God, convicting us of our sin so that we'll repent and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And when we do that, then we have the in where we're given the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in, in the, the first chapter of Ephesians, read it there, we're given the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ, a guarantee of our salvation, a guarantee that when we die from, the, when we leave this earth, when we die, that we're going to heaven to be with Him, with God. That process is the Holy Spirit. We're being baptized into the body of Christ, becoming part of Christ's body. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us, it gives us a new spirit, it takes away that, that old spirit that was just full of sin and, and destruction and gives us a new spirit where God then sees us through the eyes of Christ. No longer where we were trying to reach God on our own, but through Jesus now. He sees us through the lens of Jesus and what he did, that sacrifice. So you have with, you have in, and you have upon. Amen? Well, I'm running out of time here, but... Next week, I'm going to talk more about the Holy Spirit in. And we're going to go more in detail about what that means and what it is in our lives. Because I think these things need to be clearly defined for us. So there's no, all that confusion is just removed. Because when you start to talk about people sometimes about the Holy Spirit, they're weirded out by it. Like, what is that? That's just weird. Holy Spirit's not weird. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's who Jesus sent to us to help us live this life as a Christian, to help us live this in our lives, and also help us reach this world with the gospel. 
Holy Spirit's not weird. We need him. He's the helper. We need that help, amen? I need this help every week when I get up before you. I woke up at 2.30 last night. Didn't go back to sleep. <laughs> I don't know if I'll take a nap tonight or, or today or not. I need the Holy Spirit. You know, standing, standing before a group of people, there's nothing in here of Brad that I really have to offer you. I'm a nice guy. I love you. But I don't have anything really to offer you outside of the Bible. Like I said before, I'm just a sower. I'm a farmer up here. I'm just sowing the word into your hearts. That's all I can offer. That's what I'm doing this morning, just sowing the word, just teaching it so that we can clearly see from Scripture, especially about a topic that can be so confusing, so confusing like the Holy Spirit, where we can see the difference that there's the, there's, there's the with, there's the in, and then there's a pawn. And as we talk about each of those things, man, this is going to get so cool. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be amazing. We're on a path. We're on a road here. Like I said, I'm not wanting to do church as normal. I don't like just normal church. Church without the Holy Spirit is boring, right? It's religious. I'm not interested in that. I want the Holy Spirit moving because when people come to, to a church, like they should experience God, right? Is God welcome here? Is this his church? Christ is the head of this church. Is it my church or is this Christ's church? Like I want people to come to this place and experience God, not Brad, because when you experience God, those things that have been dogging you, those things that you've been dealing with in the presence of the Holy Spirit, those things, he can just work miracles in your hearts. He can work miracles in our bodies. You know, the Bible says, you know, to, to bring the sick to the elders of the church to have hands laid on them, you know, praying for the sick, right? But how cool is it when you don't even need to do that, where people just come into a church and they're receiving healing from the Lord. I was telling Sean uh, the other day where there was one time where I had pulled a groin muscle and I was uh, supposed to be preaching on a Wednesday night. And the, the sanctuary of the, the church was on the first floor. Well, even to get there, you know, I had to get in my car and drive. Well, even to get into the car, you know, as my, my right leg, I had to like grab my pant leg and pull my leg up into the car because it hurt so bad. Like, I couldn't do that just lifting my leg on its own. I had to grab my pant leg and lift my leg into the car. And then we're on the first floor, so I'm having to go up every step. I'm having to do that each step up because it hurt just to lift my leg. I'm like, man, I never knew a muscle like that, like if you, you injured that, that it would hurt so bad. Well, somewhere in my preaching and on the way back to my car when I was done, that pain completely went away. Like, it was gone. Well, when did that happen? I couldn't tell you. I just knew when I went downstairs and went to go get back into my car, I was going to, like, grab my pant leg and lift my leg into the car. And that's when I realized, huh, my leg was completely healed. Well, when did that happen? No one laid hands on me. It's just in the presence of the Lord. Something miraculous happened. That's what I want for this church. I want the presence of God to be here where people are getting healed. Lives are being restored. Marriages are being restored. It's an amazing thing when God's presence is here. That's what we want. That's what we desire. 
Amen. So that's the road that we're on, teaching about the Holy Spirit. We're doing that. I'm purposing to do that because when he's in control of this church, we're going to go the direction God wants to go and not just the direction that I want to go and not just the direction you would like it to go. Amen? Amen. Well, I've gone long enough. Thank you for listening to the Triumph Church podcast this week. If it was a blessing to you, share it with someone you know. For more information on Triumph Church, you can visit us at www.triumphchurch.ie.